Do you ever feel busy but not productive? Like you're always in motion but not getting anywhere? Brothers and sisters, you've come to the right spot. We've got some good stuff for you. This is episode number four. I'm Alex Martinson, and I'm a firm believer that the millennial generation has a great responsibility, even a sacred duty, to rise up and lead. The future of the United States and even the world is largely in the hands of the millennials. I believe true leadership begins first with becoming a powerful leader of our own personal life. The purpose of this podcast is to help us work together to do just that. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. to start with a story. Here it is. Three years ago, if you were to walk up to me, we got to know each other and you'd say, so what do you do? What do you do, Al? I would probably have a momentary pause in my mind and I would think, how long does this guy have? Or I would say something like, well, uh, I do a few things. If you can relate to that, let me tell you, I believe you can benefit from a discussion on essentialism. Like so many of the simple but transformational principles or ideas in my life, I can attribute them to a line or a chapter that I read in a book, a conversation that I had with an influential person in my life. And sometimes it's tied to the memory of which influential friend in my life referred me to the book. In this case, it is that. It is my great friend, Dan Reed. We were on a phone conversation, on a phone call, is how you say that, uh, two to three years ago, and we're talking. And listen, this is a time where I was legitimately involved in three businesses. And I'm not saying like, I was the owner of one company and had a couple little side dabbles. I'm talking legit on the operating agreement of three companies. And Dan, the wise, says, well, man, what we're talking about right now really just causes me to reflect on one of my favorite books of all time. I'm sure you've read it, Essentialism. And I thought, I haven't read it, Dan. Give me the Reader's Digest. And he says, dude, you need to read this book. I've got my copy right here. I mean, we've long ago lost the cover. This thing is tattered. It is covered in pen and highlighter. What a blessing it can be when someone recommends a book that contains the thing that you need at the right time. So let me tell you, when I first read this book written by Greg McEwen, I had this thought, this feeling, and I've come to, I've come to believe this is actually pretty common among people that come across this principle. The feeling was, wow, I completely subscribe to this idea of less but better. And as he says, discerning the difference between the vital few and the trivial many. 
It's all about eliminating the non-essentials from our life in pursuit of the essential. The feeling was, man, that is true and I don't have the luxury of living that right now. It was like a longing to live this principle, but a feeling of, I cannot do that right now. It's like the kid standing outside of the toy store, just like up against the glass, just like face pressed to the glass. I want that. And it's been a journey, but I can tell you that truly, I feel that I am living the closest to the way of the essentialist than I have in my entire life. And to just add a little emphasis to the truth of the principle, I'll tell you, it feels great. And this is not, it's not that I've mastered this. In fact, it's exciting to me to review this principle, to talk about it, because I think that we can still pause, reflect, and say, what activities am I doing that are actually moving the needle towards what I truly want? Those are the activities that lead me to making my greatest contribution. And what are those things that distract and detract? So my story is that making the decision to remove the non-essentials is not easy and in fact is painful. There are conversations you will not enjoy having. There are decisions you will not enjoy executing. And the result is something you will love. So I've got a couple uh, little thoughts, a couple extra quotes, if you will, to really drive this, this point home. And then I'm going to introduce um, a tool and a suggestion and a call to action, something that if you feel this calls to you, and uh, aligns for you something that you can actually do to help bring this into into practice so one of the ideas that's critical to the principle of essentialism is that almost everything is non-essential almost everything is noise so first I would ask, can you get your mind around that? Can you subscribe to that? It's a pretty bold statement. Maybe sounds a little disrespectful. And I'm telling you right now, I believe it's true. So what do I mean by that? Most of the things in our life are noise. I think about much of the media that's put in front of our face is consuming that media, actually moving the needle on where we want to go, who we want to be, and the contribution that we want to make. Most of it is absolutely not. And is there a place for entertainment and consuming media that makes us laugh and, and relax? Yeah, absolutely. And just like the old school 
uh, you remember the food pyramid that now we, I guess, you know, don't believe anymore, but the food pyramid that we were taught in school had sugar and sweets up at the top and it said use sparingly. It's kind of like that. Some of these things used sparingly, they're great. And used in excess, they're very detrimental. So that's one cardinal idea um, attached to this principle of essentialism, okay? Almost everything is noise. Who was it that said, you cannot underestimate the unimportance of almost everything? I'm going to have to tell you who said that because I've got it written down. Whoever said it, amen. So part of what makes, let me tell you, there's, there's two things that I have identified that make living a life of essentialism very difficult, uniquely difficult for entrepreneurial millennials like us. One is that when we have had some initial level of success in an area, in a professional area, let's say, we arrive to this place, we go up and arrive at this place. It's like we're in an elevator, we get to floor number seven, and we get out and guess what? The lobby is full of people that wanna to talk to us, full of people that are excited to say, hey, would you be interested in doing this? Hey, you interested in a side hustle? You interested in partnering on this? Right, opportunities and doors open. Now, to the young, the young us that's just so excited and so flattered to have these opportunities and these doors open, the furthest thing from our mind is the idea that we would say no thank you, right? That's not the productive go-getter, I can do it all, powerful person. I love to say yes, I would love to do that. Let's talk more. Let's do this. Can you relate? So in this way, our initial success actually takes us to a place where unfortunately many of us hang out for way too long, maybe years, maybe our whole career. We're hanging out at this crazy networking party that exists on floor number seven. And the essentialist walks out, gives some high fives, talks to some key people, makes some clear decisions, and gets back on the elevator to floor 907. You see, I believe that every one of us has a unique set of skills, abilities, and talents. I believe that God has given us what I refer to as the toolbox. It's those things that if we tap into them and use them, we can be the best in the world in an area. We can be best in class at something we can go and make our vital contribution. And if we either don't know where that toolbox is or we open it and kind of dabble with a few of the tools and then put them back, we may go a long time without finding that vital contribution and experiencing the joy and the fulfillment that comes from going deep in one direction rather than a millimeter in a million directions. So that's one reason that it's difficult 
to say no. The other reason is because many of us have a self-image of a people pleaser. We think that we are a people pleaser. I want to please others. And the way that is made manifest oftentimes is becoming a yes man. Think about times in your life where you've been asked to do something, anything, and there was a little alarm bell in your head that said, don't overcommit yourself here. You know that you have plans with your family on Saturday. Or you know that your wife said something about this weekend. You don't remember what it is. And until you know what it is, don't don't say yes. Don't sign your name on the clipboard. And we sign our name on the clipboard. We say yes. I'll be there. Now, there's going to be two outcomes. One, we're going to go to this activity that we committed ourselves to. And we're going to drop the ball on our wife or our family or this previous commitment. We're going to make an excuse to them. They said, hey, I know I committed to this, but this thing came up. Or we're going to be the guy that puts his name on the list and then sends a text or a call last minute. Hey, man, I'm so sorry. I had this thing. Or we try to do both, move the times around, and in both activities, we are certainly less than optimal in our contribution. We're less than fully present, and both groups are actually not well served. So what's, what's the better way? The better way is to be very careful about saying yes and to get very good at saying no. Now, this is challenging in application because we like to say yes. I'm telling you, it is a habit. I'm sure many of you are nodding your heads saying, yep, I can relate to this. I think something that will help us and serve us is to adopt a new story about this. Instead of, man, I don't want to let people down by saying no. The story is, it's actually... An illusion it's it's this deception to think that when I say yes to someone I am actually serving more the reality is when we say yes to something we are saying no to something else we are making trade-offs whether we want to realize that in the moment or not doesn't change the fact we are making trade-offs we have a finite amount of time we have a finite amount of bandwidth. See, this ladder is, is really the tricky one. This is where we get stuck. We look at our calendar and think, okay, I can split my calendar into three sections every day. Therefore, I can own and operate three companies. If that works for you, please call me, send me an email. I would love to talk. It doesn't work for me. And from what I have heard and read and seen and talked to friends about, it really doesn't work for them in the long run. It's kind of like the analogy of fast food here. Saying yes to someone or something, committing to something, feels good in the short term. 
like a Baconator. If you're hungry and on a road trip and you go to Wendy's and get a Baconator, I mean, tell me there's not some short-term pleasure. I love that thing, Baconator. Gross. It's gross in the long term. <laughs> Same thing with, with overcommitting. Feels good in the short term, we pay the consequence later. Instead, if we can flip that and say no to the Baconator, keep driving a little further, and we find ourselves a healthy, delicious meal that's actually going to sustain us, we'll be so glad we did it. And the compound effect, obviously, is long-term. I mean, look at our body and our health. Uh, You cannot hide from the compound effect of behavior. So, how do we say no? First, adopt a new story about saying no. You actually are serving people better when you carefully commit instead of saying yes in an undisciplined way. The second is tactfully saying no. Language matters. So there are ways to do this. Let me share a couple couple thoughts here. Someone asks, Alex, we are all meeting up at the office tonight to play a game. In my mind, I know I have another commitment or I know that this activity doesn't align with my essential few. It, it just doesn't align with what I want and choose to spend my time and my bandwidth doing. And I value this person. I love this person. This relationship matters to me. The word no does evoke or provoke, I would say, the ego in others. To some degree, it does. We don't like to hear the word no. Our ego doesn't like to hear the word no. Even if the excuse is like, no, I can't. I'm going to see my parents that day. On a subconscious level, uh, the no gives a feeling of rejection. So, here's a small tweak. Rather than use the word no, thanks for thinking of me. It's gold. Thanks for thinking of me. Doesn't work for me tomorrow night. I hope you guys have a great time. Wow. Thanks for thinking of me. Give that one a try. And I didn't say that I can't. I said, that doesn't line up for me. That doesn't work for me. Which is true. And have a good time. So glad you guys do that. I was careful to not say, I'm in next time. You can see how that's, that's grabbing the Baconator, right? That's just trying to save, save face or to try to be in alignment with this, this old self image I had that, that said, you need to be there. You need to say yes, or you're not being kind. I didn't say that. I ended on a very positive note. So glad you guys do that. So cool that you guys get together for bowling night, whatever. Um, okay. So that's a little bit about saying no. There's so much here, um, to stay focused on the point. Okay. 
I want to talk about a tool for application in this. And the tool is the not to do list. I've got some notes here for myself to stay guided on this. Okay. Here's the not to do list activity. If you were to write on a paper, 10 things. And the question you ask is what actions and what things do I spend time on that don't serve growth, greater income, empowerment, your higher power, your family, your bigger future. I mean, what a list of things. Those are the things we are after, okay? In other words, what things do I spend my time and energy on that do not move the needle? And can you list them? It's a fun activity. List them. Maybe look at the last week in your calendar and think, okay, how many hours were spent on things that didn't move the needle? Can I highlight them? Can I write them down? And then here's what you do. You make one of three decisions next to each line. Automate, delegate, eliminate. Can I automate this and spend time? Maybe it takes an hour or two or three to build the automation in this task. And it will save me two or three hours a week. Or... Can I delegate this? Is there someone that can do this 70 or 80% as well as I can? And by handing it off, I can go do the things that I'm uniquely capable to do. My super skills, I can do them with less distraction and I can spend more time on them. And third, the beautiful one, eliminate. Can I eliminate this? The answer, of course, is yes. Doesn't mean we want to, right? I say yes because can I eliminate things? You can do anything you want. Do I want to eliminate this? Okay, that's the question. Do I want to eliminate this? If we can have the discipline, and this takes discipline, we will be able to circle that eliminate option on some of these things. And it will set us free. And it will actually help us to serve those in our life at a higher level. We have to believe that in order for this to become application and for this to become part of our life. We have to believe that that is the case and that this old, less effective way of being was, was not actually even true. We tried to say yes to everybody and we're left not fully delivering to any one of them. So let me just make a point here that I think the not to do list is challenging to the degree that we don't have clarity on what we actually want. Something I talk a lot about in the coaching program that I do. It's just, it's so critical. It's also so fun to really get granular and specific on what do I want? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? Who do you want to be? Exactly. Not just kind of vague, but ultra 5K, whatever that TV is when you walk inside Costco, you know, like they have the TV, the first one you see, and it looks impossibly clear. I'm talking that level of clarity on what do I want? To the degree that we have clarity, this activity becomes easier. So, 
Here's the next step. We're almost done here. After we have written down 10 things that we spend our time and energy on that do not move the needle, we have decided if we will automate, delegate, or eliminate. There's two more questions. One is, what are the top three actions that move the needle the most in my life? What are the top three actions that move the needle the most in my relationship with my kids? It's a fun one. Does just being home and clocking in, if I'm on the couch and distracted, does that move the needle in my relationship with my kids? I'll tell you what moves the needle for me in my relationship with my kids, one-on-one dates. I mean, it moves the needle. When I take the opportunity to take Lainey, on a one-on-one date, we go plan it out. We say, hey, let's go get a spicy drink, which is a soda. And let's go to a store and get you a new pair of socks. Whatever it is, that's the thing. It can be anything. They love the attention. And I come away with this like new uh, appreciation for who they are. I feel like we have created more of a bond. I learn things from my kids all the time. I love doing this with my boys. So this is just something I've learned moves the needle. So I want to do more of that and I want to do less of the thing that doesn't. Okay, so what's the thing that moves the needle the most in my business? Man, when we think about all the calls, all the emails, all the tasks that we do, again, this is the feeling busy but not actually producing much. When we step back and look, According to the Pareto Principle, you've probably heard of this, says that 80% of our results come from 20% of our effort. Isn't that crazy? 80% of our income, we'll say, revenue, comes from 20% of our activity. Wow. So, what action moves the needle the most in that area. Okay, the next is, what are the top three things I must eliminate from my life? Again, this is not easy. This is not like this pleasant little exercise. And here's the other thing. And Greg McEwen talks about this in the book. He says, living the way of the essentialist, it's not about giving a nod to this principle and saying, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Do less of the stuff that distracts me. Okay. No, truly living into this principle is to take a sharp pair of scissors and do the work. Have discipline to really do this. And to embrace the uncomfortable decisions that you'll need to make. And my personal testimony here is that on the other side of this is a version of us that is more effective has greater clarity in their mind, has a much higher level of contribution to the people in their life, has a business that is scaling and growing, and ultimately a peace of mind. Who doesn't want peace of mind? So that's the exercise. That's the invitation. Um, Hope you got some value out of that. I could talk for 
another hour straight about the idea of essentialism. Um, and yet, that wouldn't be very essential. It's much more essential to deliver a concise message that can reach someone on the other end of this audio and help them make a change that would bless their life. Again, I'm so grateful that this was introduced to me at a time in my life where I needed it. And back to my story, I thought, wow, that's nice. I don't have the luxury of living that. Well, guess what? It took time. It took some real planning. It took some discipline. But I was able to take the scissors and and do the work. And it was amazing. And now at this level, I'm able to revisit it again. And we can continue to narrow in, niche down, as they say, into those things that truly move the needle in our life. I just want to end by saying, you know, in all in all things, if it's a true principle, I believe that we can find an example in the way that Christ lived when he was here on the earth. The way of the non-essentialist, the busy person, involves this idea about sleep being for the weak. You guys have heard, like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. According to some of the most productive among us, um, and there was an article that I read about this. Again, I'm not going to go into this, but there's a really cool article where they talk about sleep is the new status symbol in business. So the idea that I'll sleep when I'm dead, I mean, I can get by on three hours, you know, a night, four hours a night. I'm going to just burn the candle at both ends. Not in line with the true principle here. I mean, back to what I was going to say is you think about Christ doing the essentials. His apostles, they're, on, they're in a storm. They're in this tempest. And what's he doing? He's getting his sleep. He knew that he had a limited number of years to do the most vital work ever to be done. And he got his sleep. So maybe there's something in that that we can ponder, something that we could realize. There's no pride in being busy. There's, there's tremendous value, however, in narrowing in on fully utilizing our unique set of skills, gifts, talents, abilities, and making the ultimate contribution possible during our short number of years down here. Thanks for listening to this message. I hope that it resonated in some way. That's the only reason that I do it. I am doing the best I currently know how to live into the unique gifts that God has blessed me with. He has blessed all of us with unique gifts. Let us use them to the best that we know how and ask continually, how can I more effectively use what I've been given? There's a, there's a scripture here. It's in Moroni 7 in the Book of Mormon. Again, I am a devout Christian, and I can't help but share things like a scripture that I'm about to share when you're talking about something like this. The scripture simply says, deny not the gifts of God. So I believe that has everything to do with essentialism. What are my gifts? How can I actually make a contribution 
that truly matters? And do I have the discipline to remove all the interference and the non-essential in an effort to deny not the gifts of God, but to use them fully? I love you. What do I always say? I believe our generation is called to do a great work. We are positioned to have an amazing impact on this world, to help eliminate, at the very least, reduce pain and suffering, to produce new innovation that will move the world forward. There are people listening to this that are world changers. Nothing gets me more excited than thinking about that. Hope you have an amazing weekend. Talk to you next time.